Romans chapter 3. Last week, church, I, I told you that all of, all of my wants, all of our, all of, everybody wants something. And I told you some of the wants that I've had in my life. I told you that from a child I had wants, material wants. But as an adult, I, I do not need nor want anything material. I, I'm done. Amen? Uh, one thing I might need, might want, if I don't lose a little weight, is more suits. I, I got to lose some weight, y'all. Now, what I do want is not material, but what I want is peace. A peace that only God can give. Last week we looked at John chapter 14, verse 21 through 47, and saw where Jesus gave this peace that I told you that I wanted, that I was seeking. He gave it to his apostles shortly before he was arrested. This peace would get them through a hard time during his trial and his execution. This peace would help them when they were, were, were doing ministry work that they once watched Jesus do. And this peace would help them when they felt all alone in the world. Does anybody ever feel alone? Anybody, just, you just feel like you're all alone? Well, th this piece would help you. This morning, we're, we're going to start a, a short series that I felt led to start. Today, we're going to step onto the Roman road to see what Paul had, had to say about the condition of man and how every man can find salvation. I'm talking about true salvation. People look for salvation in different ways. They look for fulfillment in different ways. But there's only one way, one way a person can be truly saved, and that's through Jesus Christ. Amen? But how do you get there? How, how do you know that you need Jesus? Well, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. So look with me in John chapter 3, and we're going to read uh, verse 10. John 3.10. Excuse me, Romans. Thank you. Thank you. Glad you're back, Mandy. Romans 3.10 says, as it is written, everyone is righteous, everyone. That's what we think, isn't it? It really is. And that's, that's the problem. We think we're so righteous. That's not what, what Paul writes here at all. He says, as it is written, it's written, there is no one righteous not even one. Not even one. Let's pray. Father, we come to you again this morning asking you, Lord, to please forgive us of our sins and where we fail you. Now, God, as we come to this time where we open your word, Lord, we pray right now that you would just settle our hearts, settle our minds. Help us to hear a word from you, God, that we might be of greater service when we leave these doors to serve you the way you created in Jesus' name I do pray, and all God's children said, amen. Now, I'm going to tell you, as I've told you in times past, that there are many ways to witness to others, and many ways that you can lead somebody to the Lord. There are many scriptures you can use. The scriptures that we'll be looking at from the book of Romans are the ones that most people use when witnessing to others. Now, I personally, I go to, to Rome, to, excuse me, to John chapter 3. This is just me personally, okay? I go to John chapter 3 when I'm witnessing somebody and I show them exactly what Jesus said to Nicodemus. Now, it's important that people understand, in my eyes, what Jesus said. It's not my opinion. It's not 
what the Southern Baptists say or, or any denomination says. It is what Jesus said in John chapter 3 when he told Nicodemus, Nicodemus, you must be born again. All of us have to. We have to understand that. Now, there are times when I, when I use John chapter 3 and I, and I go straight to Romans 10, 9. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and if you believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, Scripture says you will be saved. That's exactly right. That's my method. That, that's what I use. And nine times out of ten, it, it works. But there's always a chance and there's always times from time to time where after you take them to John chapter 3 and you take them straight to Romans 10, 9, that they have questions. Well, what about this, Brother Kyle? What, why, why do I need this? Or why, why should I do this? They have questions. And then these Roman roads, these scriptures in the Roman roads, almost 100% of the time answer the questions that these people are going to ask. Okay? Does that make sense? So this morning, looking at, at Romans 3, 10, now, before we jump into the scriptures, let's, let's look at the book of Romans as a whole, just to help us to understand what's taking place. The basic theme of the book of, of, of Romans is the righteousness of God. Now, we just read a scripture that says, none is righteous, no, not one. Well, there, God, other than God, amen? So, if you're looking at the book of Romans... Before you even open the chapter, you might want to write underneath Romans the righteousness of God because that is what Paul is bringing out in this book. Paul has finished his work in Asia and will soon be going to Jerusalem with his love gift while in Asia for, for the church. He, he writes the Romans to, to let them know that he has always wanted to come to them to encourage them and to be encouraged by them. This long letter was a way of preparing the Christians in Rome for his coming. Now, I, I need an encouraging word, don't y'all, church? I, I'm telling you, we, we live in a day, and my wife has to get on me all the time. I, I'll be, you know, sitting in the, in the house, and I'll, I'll be, you know, scrolling through social media, and somebody will have posted a video, and, and I won't, Maggie, I won't even be there for two seconds, but she can hear the negativity in it, and she says, why don't you, why do you listen to that? And I'm like, honey, I'm just, I'm just scrolling. No, you just stop, stop. We live in a time that sucks all the, the positive out of us, don't we? we? We need to be encouraged. So this morning, I, I want you to be encouraged because this is what Paul is doing. He's writing a letter, Angie, to encourage those believers who are in Rome in many ways. But he also knows who's in Rome and he wants to be encouraged by them. And we see that in chapter 1 of the book of Romans. Warren Wiersbe says this. He says, Paul may have wanted to warn and teach the Christians in Rome, lest the Judaizers arise before him and upset his plans. Note in Romans 3, 8, Paul mentions false accusations certain men had made about him. Paul's reasons then for the letter may have been summarized as, as follows. Number one, to prepare the Christians for his coming visit and to explain why he had not visited sooner. Well, we all know, Desi, we know why he hadn't visited sooner. I mean, there's certain places that I'd love to go. I, I told y'all years ago, I, 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 at the beginning of my ministry, I, I prayed God sometime in my ministry. 
please, please allow me, please allow me, Lord, to, to be a pastor or serve you in, in, in the mountains or in the Colorado right next to a ski slope. Lord, you know how I, I love to sit next to a fire and before I go to bed, you, Lord, you know how refreshing it is for me to take off my shoes and walk outside in the snow. God didn't see fit to answer that prayer. Y'all, it, it's October. I don't know if y'all, the family who moved to Alaska, uh, we follow them on social media, and they finally got to Alaska last week, and they, they, ha they had a picture of them. Did y'all see it, Angie? you see it? Uh, they're out there in jackets. In jackets. Do y'all know what jackets are? I wore one for two weeks last, last year. And I wrote, you know, I'm glad to see it's chilly there. We still have the air conditioning on here. I, where, where did I go with that? Did... Well, okay, I, I got you. Number two, number two reason. He wrote, he might have been writing this. Uh, Wearsby says this. He says, to instruct them in the basic doctrines of Christian faith, least false teachers upset them. Now, those of y'all who were in my Wednesday night class before this pandemic or whatever you want to call it, you fill in the blanks, we would talk about the life, we were in the life of Paul. Every time Paul would go somewhere, the Judaizers would come in and they would upset the people. So he's writing this letter in, in hopes that they had not started upsetting the people in Rome yet and to let them know that that possibility could very well take place. He says, number three, he wrote this letter to explain the relationship between Israel and the church, lest the Judaizers lead them astray with their doctrines. What, what, are, what were their doctrines? You, you need to follow God and God alone through the Jewish faith and through, through the Jewish church or, or you don't go to heaven. Well, that's not what Paul was teaching. That's not what the new faith was teaching. So they would disrupt everything that God was doing in the Christian movement. Paul was wanting to warn them. Fourthly, he may have written a letter to teach the Christians their duties to one another and to the state. Well, what, what are their duties? What are our duties? Our duties are the same, Ricky Tyre. What are our duties? We are to love one another. We are to love others the way Jesus loved us. We are to love them in their sin where they are. Well, what's our obligation to the state? Y'all don't like this. Sometimes it's hard, sometimes it's easy, sometimes it's just plain crazy. But we're to obey. We're to follow the rules that, that the, our, our government has set before us. All of us. Unconditionally. And that's what Paul's saying. It's all throughout the book of Romans. He, and lastly, he, he, he wrote this to, to answer any slander about himself. So as you, as you read through the book of Romans, as we tiptoe on the path of the Roman roads, we're going to see a little bit of all of this. And I would encourage you, listen, Romans is a tough book to read, to comprehend. As we go through these in the next two or three weeks, I'd encourage you to try and read through the book of Romans just to get set the mood, set the stage. Church, it, it must be seen here that Paul writes in chapter 1 of the book of Romans, of his excitement of this healthy body of believers. With everything that's taking place in the church at this time, there are a healthy body of believers in Rome, in, in all the places in, in Rome. 
What he writes to them is to assure them of what they should already know as they are practicing the doctrines he's writing of. But those actions are now seen in the form of words for the church of that day and for the church of this day as well. Isn't it amazing how God did things? He, uh, Paul was just sitting around one day, Lee Woods, and, and, and he had this overwhelming urge to write this letter to these Romans. And this letter today in the church of the day is a doctrinal standard for the church. It's unbelievable. That's how God works. Well, now that we've done a little background, let's step on to the Roman road. Now, some of y'all might be saying, what, 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 what is this Roman road? You keep saying Roman road, Roman road. Well, some of y'all have seen it. I hope all of you have seen it. But the Roman road is, is a way that you, in your mind, make it easier to be a witness to people God puts in front of you, right? Now, when I was a young Christian, what I did in my Bible, I, I, you can go to my, my first Bible today, and you'll see the book of, when you turn to the book of Romans, the first, first page of the book of Romans, it will tell you, it'll direct you, it'll say, go to Romans 3.10. And I'll go to Romans 3.10, and I highlighted it, and beside it, it says, go to Romans 3.23 next. And I have Romans 3.23 highlighted. And beside Romans 3.23, it says, go to Romans 5.8. It's an easy way to keep things in order when you're trying to answer questions when you're dealing with a lost person. Any of y'all ever did? Did y'all do that in your Bibles? None of y'all? Thank you, Deborah. Nobody else? Okay, thank you, Jennifer. It's, it makes it easier. Amen? When you're prepared to witness to somebody... It makes it a whole, whole lot easier. So what are we looking at with, with Romans uh, chapter 3, verse 9? Well, it's the first step. It's step, step number one. But let's read it this morning in its context. You want to? You ready? Everybody awake. Say amen. Come on. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Let's read it in its context. Look at Romans chapter 3, verse 9. It says, Paul says, what then? Are we any better? Not at all. For we have previously charged that both Jews and Gentiles are under sin. As it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Together they have become useless there is no one who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Vipers, venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in, the, are, are in their paths. And, and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. That's some scary stuff, isn't it? I mean, we usually stop with there's no one righteous, no, not one. But Paul takes it a, a, a lot further. He, he wants us to understand. He wants you to understand. He wants me to understand our true condition, who we really are. Well, Brother Kyle, that doesn't represent me. Then you, you listen, if that never represented you and you don't feel like it represented you, you're in a dangerous place. You, you really are. 
Church, what, we just, what did we just read from Paul? Paul just quoted, if you didn't know, Psalm 14, 1 through 3, Psalm 53, 1 through 3, and Ecclesiastes 7, 20. Right there. Why did he quote Scripture? Brother Frank, that's what he did. He, he quoted Scripture. Listen to me. Because God is not interested in your opinion. When you're standing before somebody and you're witnessing to them, you need to help them understand God could care less what our opinions are. I'm showing you what the Word of God says. And that's what Paul's doing. He is showing us, trying to help us to understand what the Word of God says about us in our sinful condition. We, we were all in sin. Some of us are still in sin. If you have never accepted Christ as your personal Savior, what I just read in, in Romans chapter 3, verse 10, 9, represents you. There's only one thing that cleanses us, and that's the blood of Jesus. Amen? And that's where Paul is trying to show people they need to be. Now, we first see Paul drop a bombshell in verse 9. Look at verse 9 again. It says, what then? What then? Are we any better? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Gentiles, we are all under sin. Now, why do you think Paul is so emphatic in wanting the people to know that the Jews and the Gentiles are no better than the other? Number one, because what the Jews thought. Well, what is it that the Jews thought? They, they thought, you know, the, the Gentiles were scum. They, they thought that they were so much better than everybody else. They, they, they thought that, you know, the, the sun and the moon rose and set on the Jewish nation, and they thought they were so high and mighty, but what they didn't realize was God had put an axe to the root of the Jewish nation when his son came to this earth. They had been warned time and time and time again. They had added to the law of God, and God had nothing to do with them anymore. Does God still love the Jewish nation? Absolutely. Do they still have a, a, a part in prophetic uh, writings and times to come? Absolutely. But in this time, in the time that we live now, it's the church age. It's the church age. And these Jews thought they were so much better. And we still see it today. Listen, there was a time since I was your pastor. When I was your pastor, I was studying about the baptism, where we came up with baptizing, because everything we do in the church has roots in the Jewish, in the Jewish faith. But there's nothing I could see at that time in the Jewish faith that we got that derived baptism. And, and I had a thought, Butch, I had a thought that baptism probably came from the concept of cleansing yourself before you went in the presence of God in the holy temple. But I wanted to verify it. Wendy, I, Wendy, I, I called the Jewish synagogue here in Savannah. Got a secretary. <coughs> secretary, secretary said, how can I help you? I said, my name's Pastor Waddell. I'm pastor at Chevis Oaks Baptist Church here in Savannah. I'd like to talk to one of your priests about baptism and ceremoniously cleaning. Is he available? Yes, he is. Put me through. Put me right through. So he and I talked, and as he talked to me, or excuse me, talked down to me, he helped me to understand that there was no way that I could truly understand because I was not a Jew. 
He said, I can explain it to you, but you won't understand it because you're not a Jew. Church, I held my tongue. I, I, was, I was respectful because I called him. I didn't call it for an argument. But what I wanted to say was, sir, do you understand that my father, my boss, my Lord and Savior was the Jew among Jews? He is the Jew among Jews. You're right, I'm not Jewish, but my father is Jewish. My heritage is Jewish. Everything about me it has Jewish descent. But he let me know that he was so much better than me. It's still prevalent today, church. Not, listen, not only in the Jewish faith. Sometimes in the Christian faith, we act like we're better. Number two, because of what the Gentiles had been told. This is important. The scripture's important is because what the Gentiles had been told. You're inferior. You're inferior. You're not as good as us. You're dirt. You're trash. You're garbage. They needed to hear that they were equal, church. They needed to understand. Number three, the Jews needed to know that they were not as special as they once were. And the Gentiles needed to know that they were equal of value to God. Did y'all see that? Look, look at verse 9 again. It says, what then? Are you any better? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Gentiles are under sin. Do y'all know what that means? We're on a level playing field. It didn't used to be level. Some people could look at the field and say, man, that's just not fair. And, and rightfully so, it probably it's not fair. But now... We're on an evil playing field. Paul says, understand, you're all sinners. You're all sinners. Yeah, Brother Kyle, but I, I don't sin bad. You're still a sinner. We're all sinners. And it's so important that we understand that. I'm so sick and tired of dealing with people and being around people who think they're so much better than everybody else. You're not. You're not. The only thing that makes you better is Christ that's in you, and that ought to dispel and get rid of all that haughtiness that's inside your heart that makes you feel like you're so much better than somebody. You're not. I'm going to tell you what you are here in a few minutes, and you're not going to like it. Church, why, why does Paul want his readers to know that no one's righteous? Lori, you saw that, right? Verse 9. Why is it that Paul wants everybody to see that no one's righteous. Well, he answers that question. Look at verse 10. It says, as it is written, there's no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. Together, they have become useless. There is no one who does good. There is not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Vipers, venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and wretchedness are in their paths. And the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes no fear of God before their eyes church we see in verse we see in these verses uh, and, and a better question comes about and the question might be this why did God allow this scripture to be printed in his word that we might know that 
There is none that are righteous. Why is it here for us to study today? Why are these words in our Bible that we might come across them from time to time as we're flipping through? Steve, why? Why did God put these in front of us? Why are we looking at them today? Ms. Desi, I'm glad you asked. That's the question that you would ask. Why? Why? Number one, because by nature, man's self-image is self-righteousness. God allowed this to be in our Bibles today because man is by nature self-righteous. What do you mean, Brother Kyle? We think we do no wrong. We do. We think we do no wrong. But you know what we're quick to do? Ms. Barbara, you know what we're quick to do? Point out the sin in others. That, that's how you can tell whether you're self-righteous or not. Whether it's easier to point out other people's sin than your own sin. We need this scripture because we are a self-righteous group. E listen, even as Christians, we need to be reminded of this to keep us humble. We are so self-righteous. Look at, oh God, look, look at that. Why don't they get a job? Mm, look at that. They, they're, they're, they're just living in filth. Yeah, but God still died for them. God saved them. God wants to save them. And he wants you to be used as a vehicle to save them. But when you have that haughty attitude inside of you, you can't be used by God. God, why aren't you using me? Open your eyes and see. Number two, why is this scripture here this morning? This is written in our Bibles because we need to be reminded that we are not righteous. We are not righteous. I spoke a few weeks ago about how arrogant, how arrogant and prideful and self-righteous many youth are today. Listen, our youth need to see this. We all need to see it. We need to put righteousness to the side. But there's another reason it needs to be in here. This morning's message needs to be heard is because a long, as long as a person feels righteous or thinks that they do no wrong, they will never see in their eyes the need for salvation. Look at me. Look at all that I have. Look at all I've done. Look, look what I do for other people. Look, 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 look. Just look, 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 look. Brandon, look at me. Oh, look at me. As long as you have righteousness in you, you'll never see a need for salvation. Never, ever see a need for salvation. Church, this scripture we read this morning, look, look, look at verse 10 again. Verse 10, and I'm, I'm, I'm beating this, I'm, I want you to get it. it. says, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. As we read this scripture here in our Bibles, it's here because this is the, the beginning, the start of salvation. Every man alive who has accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior has found himself face to face with, with this verse say, what this verse is saying. We cannot nor will not call out on the, to the name of Jesus until we realize that we have a need for him. And that day will never come until we realize what this scripture is teaching us this morning. I'm righteous. No, you're not. 
I'm righteous. You're, You're really not. The prophet Isaiah tried to apply this same thought in Isaiah 64, 6. And some of y'all know exactly where I'm going. For those of you who think you're righteous, listen up. Isaiah 64, he wrote, But we are all as unclean things, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags, and we all fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. You you see, Isaiah, he he really slaps the people even harder than Paul does. He says, your righteousness, the righteousness that you think you have, you think you're so much better. He said, listen, your righteousness is like filthy rags. If you do a study on those filthy rags, and we've talked about this in our Wednesday night study, those filthy rags are pointing back to women's menstrual rags. Do we have the point yet? We think we're so righteous. But God says your righteousness is is like filthy rags. Church, when we find ourselves understanding our place. You see, we, we, this is my place, and this is my place, and this is what I do. But when we find our place and understand that it doesn't matter who you are and where you are or what you've got or what you don't have, what you do have was given to you by God. That's your place. When you find, when we understand our place with this word righteous, we or any person we are witnessing to can do nothing but seek who is righteous. Tracy, I'm not righteous. I'm not. Amy will tell you, goodness gracious. We, we could spend the next hour up here. Amy will tell you how I'm, I'm not righteous. We can't be used. We can't be saved until we understand the thought of righteousness in our lives. Church, When we see ourselves for who we really are, then and only then can we start to see Jesus for who he really was and is and forever will be. Romans 3, 10, 3, 9, and 10 is the beginning, the beginning of where we need to be and where we need to keep ourselves, church. Do you realize who you are? That apart from being in the body of Christ, there is nothing righteous about you. Do, you. do you realize that? Do you understand that? There's nothing righteous in you. How, how does that song go? I'm just a nobody sent to tell everybody about someone who saved my soul. Is that how it goes? Is that pretty close? Church, can I be honest with you? When we accept Christ as our Savior, we must remember this day. Remember that day that you accepted Christ as your Savior. Because if we ever feel like we're better than someone else, we will be of no use to God. Do you know my Jesus? Does he help you to remember who you really are every day? That your righteousness comes from him? Let's all stand, heads bowed and eyes closed.
Father, we come to you this morning asking forgiveness for our sins and where we fail you. We pray, Lord God, that you would be with us during this time of invitation, that you would help us to see ourselves as you see us, Lord, that we might be of use to you. Lord, if there's somebody under the sound of my voice who's never accepted you as their personal Savior, that they finally realize that they are not righteous and they need you, I pray that the day will be the day of salvation. They'll come and let me show them what the Word of God says every person must do to be born again. With every head bowed and every eye closed, do you need to come and spend some time at the altar? Will you come?